moving right along in Hilchas Tayyim Venitim, the laws of Jewish judiciary. The 307th Shir of Rambam, which would correspond to the 10th, 11th, and 12th chapters of Hilchas Tayyim Venitim, once again is Mitzvah Reish Mem Vav. And we have explained in some detail already how a partial admission requires an oath. We talked about this in detail, and the last lesson we learned about was how much has to be included in the initial complaint so that when the plaintiff makes a complaint, the defendant has to have admitted to a certain amount of money and has to have denied a certain amount of money, which we explained in detail. So now we're going to talk about the kind of things for which there is no shavua, for which there is no oath that is made, whether it is a meidah b'miktas, whether somebody makes a partial admission, or altogether, as you will see. The Rambam tells us that there are a variety of things in which a person could be accused of having taken somebody else's money or owing somebody money, and he's not going to have to take a shavua, despite the fact that, as we articulated very clearly in Mitzvah Vav, the Torah says, pesha, when you say, Ki this I owe and that I don't know, that there's a requirement for a shavua. So the first thing is karkois, real estate. I say that I, I, uh, you owe me a piece of land, or a piece of land, a part of your estate belongs to me. And a person comes back and he says, well, it's true, we did have a dispute about land, but I don't, I don't know exactly what you're saying. I don't owe you three acres. I owe you only one acre of land. That's called a dispute about karkois, a real estate dispute. And don't say that this couldn't be, because I was privy to a situation recently, right here, right here in the city of Thornhill, where there was an agreement, a gentleman's agreement that was made about 20 years ago, and people have a dispute now. This one, one says, yeah, I, I signed off on a piece of land, so you could start construction in a certain area, but, but th that's my piece of land. And the other one says, absolutely not. I gave you the piece of land that was yours, I gave you, and I don't owe you any other land. Here we are, middle of the 21st century, and people have the same issues, same problems. Not everything is documented. There is always a deed. So if these were two observant Jews, they would go to a bestin, and they would say, Rabbis, please, here's our dispute. Please tell us what to do. And you would, you would say, before learning today's lesson, just from Mitzvah Eishem and Vav, Reuven claims that three acres of that parcel of land is his. Shimon says only one acre belongs to Reuven. It's a partial admission. For sure, Shimon should have to take an oath. Torah says no. No. For Karka, we don't have to. Another example of something we don't have to take an oath for is a star. A star is a document. The document says that I owe money to somebody. That document is worth money. So if I asked you to watch the documents for me and then the documents got lost, the question is, I say... I don't owe you as much as you said. I had some of those documents, but not all of those documents. And I'll give you a, a simple example. Uh, we had a while back a bunch of documentation from Israel bonds. Shul bought the bonds, and then when we needed money for construction, we had to liquidate some of those bonds. So we sold it to somebody for a percentage off. So let's say we sold $100,000 worth of bonds for $95,000, but we needed a liquid now. Otherwise, we had to go into bank indebtedness, and that would cost us even more. So it was worth us losing $5,000 on Israel bonds, but instead we were able to 
continue not to take our loan, which would have cost us more than $5,000. So everybody was happy. The person who bought the bonds didn't need the $5,000 the next year. And we were happy we saved more than $5,000. Those papers, today Israel bonds has changed. You don't need the paper anymore. But those papers used to be issued by Israel bonds. The state would, is to issue papers, and without that paper, you don't get the money. Plain and simple. It's like a lot of kids get for their bar mitzvah. They get an Israel bond. You know, a bond has been bought for you for $180. When you're uh, turned 30 years old, you can uh, cash the bond. You lose the bond, you lose the money. So what happens if somebody says, I gave you five bonds that were worth $500 each. other says, no, you didn't. There was four bonds, four, four documents in an envelope, not five. Is that a partial admission? That's a star. The paper itself <coughs> has no value. Because the paper itself has no value, there could be no shavua. The Magad Mishnah says something interesting. He says that we, we, what we could consider is if the paper actually had value in and of itself, let's say it was a valuable piece of paper, so then you can make and take a shavua on that piece of paper. For the paper, let's say, it was worth a dollar. So you say, you say that uh, you only got, uh, you had four papers, I say you had five papers, I make a shavua on that dollar. The trick is, though, there's something called Gilgul Shvua. According to the Shulchan Aruch, Gilgul Shvua means once you're in a position, a court position, where you are required to take an oath, I can add whatever else I want. I say, and by the way, you owe me money for such and such. I say, no, 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 I don't. They will take an oath. So Gilgul Shvua means once the person's taking an oath, we can say, for this, for this loan, and for the loan you denied last year, and for that thing you denied, and, and a person may say, you know what? I'm not ready to take this oath. I only want to swear on certain things. No, doesn't work like that. Gilgul Shvur is inclusive of everything. Another thing is Hegdeshes, something which belongs to the Beis HaMikdash, the Temple Treasury. So if I get into a dispute with the Temple Treasury, and Temple Treasury says I owe such and such, and I'm saying, no, 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 I, I don't know that much, I would not be required to take an oath. Now, it's meaningful to point out right away that when we talk about, first of all, documents, there is a question, modern halachic authorities vigorously debate what would be the case with money today? So once upon a time, it used to be in the United States of America, the greenback was the almighty dollar, right? That was the best currency once upon a time. And it used to be that there was supposedly gold bullion that the government owned that backed up every single dollar. I do not believe that that is the case anymore. <laughs> it's, uh, we're pretty certain that it's not the case. And they've been printing money. I don't know if things are any different here in Canada, but money is just being printed. Money's being printed, the money doesn't, if everybody would go with their dollar to change it in for their uh, ounce of gold, the country would go bankrupt. So the question is, is, is cash today actually cash? Or is cash today just a document, just a star? Because officially, legal tender means that this is a document that everybody knows it's worth this amount of money. So really, one could argue there's no difference between $50 cash and $50 check, except that the cash is more negotiable. One could argue that. Conversely, people say, no, the fact is this is cash today, so it's called kesef, it's called money, rather than a star. And then, of course, the question could even be extended to the coins that we have. Once upon a time, the coins were actual silver. Silver dollar was a silver dollar. <coughs> a certain amount of unalloyed silver that went into every nickel and every dime. I think that was the case here in Canada also. The question is now whether or not that is, in fact, still the case. I'm pretty sure it isn't. So when you're using all kinds of unalloyed different metals, which are not precious metal, and they aren't really worth the nickel. It's not worth a nickel anymore. It's not made of nickel. The question is, is that considered to be cash? Is that considered to be money or not? Now, in these cases, whether a person is a moida b'miktas, makes a partial admission, or 
The other example which we talked about is if I am a watch person, so I'm going to be watching a certain item. Let's say I'm an unpaid watch person, and you come back and say, give me my item. I say, oh, sorry, it was stolen. I wasn't negligent, but, but it was stolen. I'm an unpaid watch person. I'm exempt from payment. But I am required to take an oath. So the question comes, if I was a watch person for Hegdish, or if I was watching somebody's bonds, which are a star, definitely not cash, or if I'm talking about Karkois, I was supposed to watch somebody's property, and it was the no fault of my own that people came and damaged the property, and I, I, it was impossible for me to stop them. It was a morading band of, 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 of wild hooligans that came and destroyed a property, and I, I couldn't have stopped. So in that case, I'm exempt. So now the person wants to say, well, I want to know that you locked all the doors. I want to know that you turned on the floodlights at night. I want to know you took all the precautions. I, 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 I took all the precautions. Swear. Usually you have to swear. The case you don't have to swear is in one of these examples. What's the reason? Because it says, Ki ish el When a person gives his companion. Re'ehu excludes Hegdish. God is not your companion. And the treasury of the temple is not your companion. It would further be meaningful to point out that not only is shtar an issue of dispute today, but you should know as a matter of fact that if somebody watched something for a shul, or for a yeshiva, or for an orphanage, or another charitable institution, that is not considered exempt from a shavuah. Shavuah is specific to the Beis HaMikdash. Hegdash, the halachic designation of Hegdash, God's domain, that's the Beis HaMikdash. Everything else is a holy domain. We use the term mamon Hegdash, money, holy money of a, of, a, of a sacred account, colloquially, but it is not considered to be legally binding, so if there would be somebody who owes money to a shul, who does no money, who made a pledge, and so on and so forth, then there would be a possibility of taking a shvur. Why are, why are properties and documents excluded? Because it says, kesef kalim. the Torah says the word cash, or the Torah says the word artifacts of value. A keli, which literally translates as utensil, but a pen is a keli, and it doesn't have any receiving properties. It means an artifact, a human artifact, an item. So items are handed from hand to hand. You cannot hand property from hand to hand. So our sages taught us that the fact that the Torah specifically uses the expression kesef oikelim means one of two things. A, it has to be actually valuable, not that it's going to buy you value, so a shtar doesn't count. And B, it has to be something which can go from hand to hand, like an artifact, like metaltalin, like a keli, which, is, which can be passed from hand to hand. But property can't be pocketed or passed on. It's something that, that is therefore beyond the purview of the Torah's requirement of shavua. Now, this doesn't mean you're going to walk scot-free. We talked two days ago about the idea that the chachamim, the sages, instituted a certain kind of oath called a shavuas heset, and we explain the details of what a Shavuos Heset is, that would be required. It is noteworthy that a Shavuos Heset does not have Torah oath properties. What does that mean? A Torah oath prop uh, uh, properties of a Torah oath, meaning that when the, the Shavuah must be taken by dint of the biblical injunction, has to be made holding a Torah scroll, or as we said, a pair of tefillin, depending on the level of person's academic achievement and appreciation of Torah. So for some people, tefillin is good enough, other people... They won't understand the severity unless they're actually holding a Torah. Shavuos Heses is made without a chafetz, without holding an object of holiness. There is one exception to this rule, and that exception is Beis HaMikdash property. When you have a dispute with Hegdish, even though technically, from the Torah perspective, the person who has that dispute 
will not be required to make a shvua because it says El Re'ehu to his companion, to his peer. And God, the Hegdish, the coffers of the Beis Hamikdash, are not considered Re'ehu. Nonetheless, Tiknu Chachamim, the Rambam says, the sages made an injunction that you do have to make a shvua, and you'll ask the question, well, you always have to make a shvua. We just said before, shvuas heses, shvuas is always applicable. The Rambam says yes, but here the shvua is ke'ain shel Torah. It's a Torah-like shvua, which will mean that when it comes to your dispute with the coffers of the of the Beis Hamikdash, the treasury temp, of the temple, you will have to hold the sefer Torah or a pair of tefillin, even though it's only a shvua that is required by rabbinic injunction. What is the reason for this? So the people will not treat the property of the Beis HaMikdash in a flippant manner. Now, it's, it's, it's important for us to understand that the reason the Chachamim made certain takanot, certain injunctions later on in history, and the reason that it's not initially required to be so, is because if in the world was a perfect place, people would take the Beis HaMikdash very seriously. People would take the money, the treasury of the temple, very seriously. When the sages saw that this was in fact not the case, and people were taking the Beis Hamikdash lightly, for whatever reason. But there was a breakdown of respect and of, of homage to the Beis Hamikdash, or things that belong to the Beis Hamikdash. Then at that point, the sages said that there'll have to be a shavua, and not only a shavua's heset, like with any kind of those these cases where you're biblically not required to take an oath, but rabbinically you're required to take an oath. Here, furthermore, the oath will be ke'en shel Torah, which means holding the sefer Torah or the tefillin in order to make sure that, that oath is administered properly. And that's a little bit about the 307th shear of Rambam, corresponding to the study of mitzvah 246 of the positive mitzvahs.